since Infinity Train has been canceled, is it now Finite Train? Oh, I just made myself sad. We're talking an Infinity Train. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and uh, locutious locomotives. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. And today, as Chris said, we're talking the sadly recently ended before its time Infinity Train uh, from Cartoon Network slash HBO Max. And you just really got into it, too. I think we talked about, like, the first episode, however many years back now. We did. I remember watching that first episode because it was in our best show, new shows of blank year episodes that we do every year. Look out for that episode later this year. Um, but it's like the best shows of 2017 or whenever it first started. And I remember being really interested in it. And it's like, this is pretty cool like there's a lot of mystery here i'm excited but like all things i didn't get to watch it until the past year so we also watched too many animated shows for this podcast so (laughs) there's lots of things that we each loved we're like that's really good and then it's like in the b tier of the queue for just ever (laughs) right and then you finally get to a point where it's like now i'm really now i have the time and i'm excited about this let me let me watch this like just last year, I watched, finally watched the, the whole entire series of Steven Universe after, you know, years of this podcast, watching four or five episodes out of <laughs> Steven Universe and going, you know, I actually want to watch the rest of it, the whole of it. <laughs> yeah, I think with Infinity Train, uh, my husband and I were keeping up with it. So I we did watch each season as it dropped, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. Um, so preparing for this, I know you kind of <laughs> binged 40 episodes of Infinity Train the last few days, uh, and <laughs> I watched like a YouTube best of season two and three highlight reel. <laughs> uh, I, I would, uh, I would recommend spacing it out a little bit more than I did. Um, however, I look forward to going back and rewatching so I'm, I'm excited to rewatch. My wife is really interested in it. Uh, she watched the first episode with me. I was like, oh, where's this going? And then she was excited to watch more. And then I had, I had homework for, for this episode. So I just kept on, kept on chugging with her and with her leaving, leaving her behind. And so. Like a yeah. train that left the station like a train that left a station or Mm. much like um ryan and season no i'm just kidding um no we won't get get into spoilers for the four seasons of infinity train but and i I guess we we should come down and say like at least it's not my prerogative to get too far into spoiler territory but (laughs) it is we are kind of talking about the show as a whole and uh how it is an anthology show. Uh, so you, you'll get a lot of setup for a lot of different plots and 
no spoilers on the ends for any of them. Hopefully. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. I think this is a. This is going to be a conversation more about how this works and the structure of it, rather than here's this plot point or here's this very specific thing because I think it's built and constructed a lot differently than many other shows, which is part of the appeal, but also part of why I'm so curious about it. Um, And I, I just think it, I was thinking a lot today about how it works and just figuring out why am I still interested? How does it keep me interested? And what is it doing? What am I latching on to? So it's it's not necessarily a structure that we're used to. But can you tell us a little bit about anthology shows and like where, <laughs> what, what are they? We can has anthology shows. I I will do my best, uh, mostly drawing from my own personal experience in life. Um, I wish that I were almost an academic about anthology show and TV show formats. I know that these were bigger back in the day of TV um, when you could record a show or keep up with the plot of a show. Uh, So beyond just the like 1960s through 1990s, like everything is reset at the end of each episode kind of shows like uh, I Love Lucy, like the same characters where you're following them, but they get up to different things. There were shows where it was literally just a different thing and different cast and different topic every week. And they might fit into, it seemed like there were a variety of these back in the day. Uh, but I think that this format really found its footing in genre. Mm. Um, so my personal awareness growing up, my parents, uh, my dad specifically had the twilight zone growing up. And I think everyone is aware of the twilight zone in some way, but, I had a whole bunch of VHSs of those in the early 90s that we've watched some of sometimes. <laughs> um, I think in the 80s was Amazing Stories, which was less deep end of the genre pool, more shallow end. Mm-hmm. Not a judgment. Um, I think people haven't heard of as much Outer Limits, but that was one that my parents were really big into. I think the 90s revival they watched a lot of. Um, and there's lots of other stuff I was aware of too, like Tales from the Crypt. Um, if you're looking at more modern examples, Black Mirror, uh, if you're looking for a more kid-friendly thing back in the 90s, Are You Afraid of the Dark for you 90s Nickelodeon stands, um, <laughs> Goosebumps, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more in line with what Infinity Train is now, I think, is the current Disney Plus approach to Marvel and Star Wars hey, here's a series of episodes that are a season of TV, and there aren't going to be any more seasons. Just, you know, this is what it is. Have that. And then we'll do another set of episodes about different characters in the same universe coming up. So, like, you have WandaVision, then Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then Loki, and these shows might not touch at all, (laughs) but it's an iterative anthology approach episodically to what's in the Marvel Universe. Hmm. And I think there's also other stuff out there that's less genre-y or more pop culture, like True Detective and American Horror Story, but I haven't followed those as much. Those yes. are just too mainstream for me. <laughs> they also have um, 
staying with Marvel, but moving more to our, you know, our limits of would be the What If series that's coming up soon, the Marvel What If series. Great example. Yes, not out yet, but I'm excited to see it. Um, I was honestly, I was really hard pressed trying to think of animated anthology shows. And I wrote, I came up with a couple, but like, I think this is the first time, let's lie. We've talked about Love, Death, and Robots in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch all of that, so maybe that's not a great example. But that's there. That's on Netflix. That's an anthology where I think it's about one of those three topics in every short. <laughs> yes, that's right. Sometimes two or three, you know, sometimes multiple versions of it combined. Um, Star Wars Forces of Destiny was something I thought I came up with that's more of a purely anthology show. It's those like a little younger audience oriented shorts set in the Star Wars universe, but using all the same voice actors and putting, for lack of a better word, canon plots into little different bits. Mm-hmm. The moments between large moments. Yeah. Yes. The worlds between worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and this may be cheating, but of course, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which I f- was convinced I made up until I found this on Wikipedia. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. I didn't make up an animated Tales from the Crypt TV show that did exist. <laughs> that was real. For better or worse, that, that was a thing. Yeah. But if it's an adaptation of a live action anthology show, does it count? Mm. for our purposes possibly not but so how would you describe what are what are some of the things that you have to have for it to be an anthology show well i think there's something that links these anthologicals (laughs) together uh i'm making up word coining stuff left and right I think in the the classic idea of anthology, it's just something in that genre, like Twilight Zone. It's, I think Futurama parodies it perfectly with the scary door. Like it captures all the hallmarks of what the Twilight Zone was. It's like, here's something weird and genre bending and you have an in through an audience or a character doesn't really understand the world they're going into. And then the twist is something like literally just to be twisty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and cheesy. It's not necessarily good. <laughs> it's not a grown out of the wing of this plane. You're married to Ava Braun and you're Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> so, so loosely connected, possibly. I think though, whether that's, hey, these are all scary stories and that's the only thing that links them together is we're, I'm a scary puppet telling you scary stories. And that's the only thing that links, but very, not very often do you get a character or a story link within each anthology episode. Yeah, I think that's, that's the classic. I think the more modern drive of anthology, which I think at a subconscious level, at least American horror story is driven in the US of a season long anthology or Mm -hmm. anthological, if I'm going to stick with that. Uh, so it's not each episode is different, but each season is different. 
and they're not necessarily connected, but they're still connected by that genre or that thread. I think True Detective, which I, I had never seen before, is the same thing of like, here's some kind of gritty crime story thing and it's different each season, but it's that same feel each season, even though they're completely different. Mm. And Infinity Train is definitely more in line with that kind of anthology where it's the whole season follows one plot and then the next season is something else, but it has, I mean, obviously not just the genre, but like the world of Infinity Train linking it together. Mm-hmm. So tr- the train links it, the rules link it, the sometimes a ramification or a character that you met from the previous season is your link into it. Yeah. Got it. So for the folks who are coming into this being like, what is Infinity Train? Why should I be watching it? Let's start with that first question. What is Infinity Train beyond just a cult hit that everyone should be watching <laughs> on HBO Max right now? Stop listening and watch it. No, keep listening and then go watch it after we're done. Hmm. Well, I want to throw that question back to you because you got sucked in over the last few days. Like, what what drew you in so quickly? Okay. I think if... How do, how do I talk about this? So, Infinity Train tells the various stories of passengers who end up on a train where they need to learn lessons and make changes in their lives. <laughs> that's that's the as unspoilery as I can make it. Um, but even that is something that you sort of discover over time. Um, the what and the how and the why um, is just, it's so interesting because you're, you're compelled by fun character. You get a, a lovely setup in the first season, the first very first episode. You get a, a character with a lot of stuff that she's working through. And then you end up following this character into a really strange environment. So you're you're first drawn in like, I wonder what's happening to her, which is of course the great first question you should hopefully be asking in anything, right? Uh, and then the second question is, like, what is all this about? <laughs> what is this world? And those two questions um, propelled you in the first season. Who is, what's going on with her? And what's going on with this world? And then the second season, it becomes a lot more like, what's going on with these characters? Mm-hmm. And yes, the world is still the world, but you're, you're asking fewer questions about the quote, world of the train. You're just in it on a character basis. And then each season you go on and you're just drawn on, um, drawn into these characters and their stories. So for me, it was the dual question of the first season and then the compelling characters throughout. 
that drew me in. Yeah, there's definitely beyond just the the characters from outside the train too. The characters on the train because each set of main characters each season has some kind of like I think they're called denizens of the train. Mm-hmm. They get some kind of side character who lives there, becomes like their their guide on this journey for some length of time. Uh, and they're kookier, more out there characters who <laughs> uh, bring a deeper flavor to the show while also like not being as invested in like getting off the train per se. But they become intrigued by that person. Mm-hmm. And usually the person, the passenger, gets the right denizens to help them get to their their right um, discovery of what they need to change. So that's what's interesting there. Um, you know, picking, it's, it's a lot like Spider-Man villains. <laughs> Whatever lesson Spider-Man has to learn, that's how you pick which villain you toss at Spider-Man. And it's the same way here. It's not about, it's not what necessarily what danger they get put into, but it's like which denizen they get and then which challenges, which train cars do they end up in that, that put them in the right situations. Mm-hmm. The fourth season, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm, what what's going on, <laughs> but that's a different conversation. But I think it's it's that um, it's that core question of what does this character need, and who are the th- people that we can pair them up with to to make those discoveries. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of the first seasons kind of you as an audience discovering that with them. So more attention is paid to that. Uh, but it's not like that's the mystery every season. I think that future seasons kind of go through those paces faster uh, mm-hmm. because I know that's not what's keeping you as an audience member hooked. Like what are the mysteries for you this season? I think it also does this really interesting thing. Um, which is shifting the mystery and giving, trusting the audience to know what they know. So the first season you're figuring out as much about the rules of the train as you are about the main character, Tulip, and what she's dealing with. You're figuring out how this works, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do things, how things, you know, what's dangerous, what's actually good, what's actually bad. Um, and then you understand the inner workings of the train. So, like you said, that mystery solved. Mm-hmm. It's like, great, I, I know how the train works. I know the system. So now when we get to meet new characters, or characters who we met previously in a you know in a season, but now get get to shift our focus to a different character. When that shifts, it's not so much about the uh, the rules of the train. It's about how does this person get through 
get their number to zero <laughs> in mm-hmm. a sense. How does this person fix things for themselves to make it off the train? And it it's a it's a nice it's a nice thing that we as an audience are often ahead of the characters because they're discovering things that we're like, oh, we know how this works. And we know what they, you know, so our we're trying to figure out what do they have to fix? What do they have to change? What is this character dealing with? How are they going to make the discovery of what they have to change? And how will that manifest itself? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think each, each main character kind of asks a different flavor of that question mystery too, that kind of flows mm-hmm. naturally into each other each season. I think season one is very much like, how do I get off this crazy train? Right. And season two is like, what if I don't want to get off this crazy train? <laughs> or, or I guess what if I can't get off this crazy train? Mm. And season three is more the, what if I don't ever want to leave this train? I've been here a while. And then season four is more like, cool, back to season one. But like, what if we explore that been here for a while thing? What if they were like not happening in the present? Hmm. I don't know. For me, like, they're not related, but the the questions flow naturally into each other. I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about the season questions, you know, the overarching season questions in that fashion. I, in many ways, uh, and Nigel will probably laugh. Uh, <laughs> this reminds me of Lost, uh, <laughs> as I talk about a lot. Um, and as much as I love Lost and think Lost is like a near perfect show in many ways, <laughs> not every way, but many ways. Um, I think that the advantage that Infinity Train has ever lost with the mystery box approach is that each season you do get those fresh eyes of people who don't understand the thing, whereas Lost kind of each season had to keep writing new levels of mystery to get people and the characters involved in because it was the same people. <laughs> you can't just relive the same mystery from the first season. It's like, okay, what what more is there to be mysterious? Interesting. So by adding the new characters, that's the development rather than adding new things to the train. Yeah, I think so. But while also adding new things to the train. (laughs) Yes. But you don't have to, but you do. I mean, the, the train, each car is its own world. You know, it's a whole separate world with its own separate challenges and possibilities that have to be in there. And there are, I mean, in theory, an infinity of possibilities that these train cars could hold within them that, you know, as as storytellers choosing what cars, what environments, what situations do you put your, your characters in and what are they... Um, what gets them out of that car and then how do they react once they're out of it? I think there's, there's just a lot of um, stuff to work with that in addition to adding the same, adding different characters to the mix. 
I think if we had followed Tulip through four seasons, I think you're right. We would have to have changed so much because we'd get weary over her goal of getting off the train. Mm-hmm. And it would just be something that is withheld for story, you know, to keep the story going. Yeah, it would just have the danger of becoming a little quantum leapy. When am I going to leap back to my own body? Um, <laughs> and it doesn't. Uh, it avoids that trap. You get that emotional satisfaction as a viewer of watching. I mean, I, without spoiling too much, you, you see a, a resolution to that question. Is that something that we can get with anthology shows that we can't always get in shows that last longer, telling one long story over five season is resolution? I think so. Um, I think you can have a show that naturally builds and progresses. And again, I think Lost is really good. I think Lost is a good, for the most part, natural progression of character arcs and plot and resolutions to things as it moves. Um, But things start to get complicated as you move on and build that world. Um, Steven Universe, I think, is another good example where depending how you break out what those seasons were and are, uh, like how is Steven growing as the show goes on and how does this change? Like you rewatch season one, you're like, look at all these cute one-off plots that like seemingly don't have a lot of connective thread. And then after seeing the end of the show, you rewatch season one and go like, I see what this was doing now, but this is a different show. Mm-hmm. It is much different to start binging uh, Steven Universe <laughs> again after finishing the whole show. Uh, it is a different experience. Not a bad one. It's just like, oh, it's this This is happening. I see what's going on here. Um, which is why I'm excited to go back into Infinity Train and watch it a little bit more and let it sit a little bit more because what I think is so very interesting about it is as strange, and I think Steven Universe does this as well, but as strange as the environment is, the human story is so evocative and real. And I think learning lessons and making a change for your life, even though that sounds a little... um, it's hokey, the word that I mean, you know, uh, if, you know, to say that it's like, I think we all do need to learn and change and evolve and make ourselves better. And, you know, sometimes we do need to be trapped. I don't for a while, you know, in, a, in uh, and separated from the default way our life is going so we could really look at who we are and do some work on ourselves and then make those changes. I think a show that is about that as much as it is about crazy monsters and trains uh, (laughs) is, is interesting. And I found myself pulled to 
waiting for that moment for each character where you see them, like, see what they should be doing, make the wrong decision, and, like, keep going, make get closer to the right, right decision, and keep falling and stumbling backward and still trying to do the right thing. And then finally, when they get all the way there, when they make all the progress, and I think we talked about this previously. I can't remember which episode we talked about. The idea of just because you learn something doesn't mean you've mastered that thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so interesting about this. It's like people who are learning to be better. And even though they're probably not mastering something in getting to it, they've unlocked what the key struggle with their key question, what their key problem is. And it's like, oh, that's that's the change I have to be making. And I don't think that the train always is about, all right, you've solved it. You've had a full resolution with that issue. It's you've made the core discovery of what you need to change. Go go change your life. Like go go live with that knowledge. And if this were a non-anthology show, I think that as seasons were to go on, it gets tempting, as you see in every show, for characters to backtrack on what they've learned already. Mm-hmm. Because how else can you keep a show going? Because if it, without somebody backtracking in a in a terrible way. Yeah, it's the the sitcom trap of like you have fun, lovable characters. You have you have the friends. Um, and they all have their things. And how do you know that it's Chandler between episode one of Friends and episode 9,862? It's going to be the same Chandler. His circumstances are different, but he's kind of the same fundamental core character with the same flaws. Mm-hmm. That's not the show that Infinity Train wants to be at all. That's not a criticism. That's just, it's... Of either show, that's just they're very different approaches to telling that story. A story. Right. I would love to see Friend Affinity Train. That'd be interesting. Friend Affinity Train. <laughs> did, I, did, did you sing the theme song, Infinity Train? Like when it does the opening? I did not, but I won't Is ever that just- be able to not hear that now. Is that just me? I just go, Infinity Train. Like, yeah. Infinity Train. I do break out in Corginia a lot. <laughs> Which actually, is that even in the show? That might not be in the show. That might have been an ad for the show. I don't think it is in the show. <laughs> There's an ad for the show in season one early on. There's this live action of like corgis jumping through fields. And it was like a fake travel ad for Corginia. <laughs> I need to go look for that and find it. <laughs> I'm really struggling. The one thing that I'm struggling with is when I rewatch it, do I include Jack who in, in the show, you know, in watching it? He did watch <laughs> the last six episodes of season four with me. Because I was like, I feel like these characters are okay. Like, I feel like this storyline is okay for him to watch. Yeah. 
I I think when early in your binge, I texted like this gets to heavy places. Yes, like, trying to warn you away from like Jack watching too much of it. Um, I appreciated that, and see, <laughs> because I was part of also the binge was is this something that I can watch as you know with a as a family, and what age could Jack watch this, and to know that part of why. Well, part of the reason why they said that season five was not going to happen was there was not a way in for children into the story. And I don't think there has to be. I think that Infinity Train is part of this like missing age group of animation you don't see a lot of in the U.S. of like this early adult, but like without being like a Simpsons type show animation range. Like this mm. teen animation. And I think that part of why it got canceled, which is no fault of its own, is this Cartoon Network and HBO Max combined couldn't find, didn't understand how to pitch that or advertise that. Because um, I think season one gets a little heavy and dark, but without like some of the darkness you get in later seasons. Uh and so I think it's still palatable and approachable on like that Steven Universe level for kids. And I think that's doable. But after that, like I think this would have been fine in like a the first show of adult swim block. <laughs> mm. But it's like execs don't understand, like, this is not for kids, but it's so colorful. How can it be for adults? Uh <laughs> just having that cognitive dissonance where it doesn't have to exist. Right. Hmm. So how are ways that we could get this show back before <laughs> the story could be revolved? I know the original plan from what I looked up was to have eight books, you know, eight, eight seasons of yeah. Infinity Train. So. It's been interesting. I know I don't work in animation at all, but uh, I feel like my best way to get this back is to prove that there's just an audience for like this middle age range of animation in this country. And then maybe in 12, 20 years, Infinity Train will get the uh, resurgence and continuation that it deserves, like many shows are getting now. Hmm. Or maybe it'll just gargoyles forever and be beloved. And never get continued. <laughs> That's a kind thought, but also, like, how horrifying. <laughs> we will never live again. Yeah. I mean that as a compliment to Infinity Train, that they could be in my pantheon of gargoyles things, but I would love to see it continue. Um, I don't know. We just need money. Chris and Mackenzie need money to like have our own animation subscription service where we just right. revive canceled shows that we like. <laughs> At least for, you know, a couple seasons. Yeah. I don't Let you have a natural end. Like I'm glad yeah. I speaking of like HBO Max not reviving Infinity Train. That's a bad decision. HBO Max, Green Lights, Venture Brothers, finale movie, like Oh, you have me so emotionally torn, HBO Max. It's like you sometimes understand 
shows should end, and sometimes you don't understand that shows should end. <laughs> Maybe they just haven't watched it. That's that's probably their problem. <laughs> They've seen some trailers. They've heard the pitch. They're like we just we just don't get it. We just don't see it. But will it get them off their tractors? <laughs> what is that? That's from Futurama. Where we oh. have the the execubot. <laughs> and with and then his they're just like, but will it play in Peoria? That <laughs> that fun. Which I feel like in men, in some ways, Futurama's like a uh anthology show with main characters that just end up in the same places. In some ways. Yeah. Yeah, in some ways. I think a lot of I mean you can make that argument. It's like the the spectrum of like plot story driven show to like I love Lucy and like the Simpsons and Futurama are kind of on that anthology I love Lucy end of the spectrum but not all the way there. I suppose they did have the single episodes the anthology of interest. Yeah, the actual anthology episodes. Actual anthology episodes. It's like Treehouse of Horror is an anthology show that happens once a year. Now that we're, th- <laughs> now that we've expanded and thought about it for a little bit, there are a couple more animated versions of anthologies. Although it's not an entire series. Yeah, it's like special episodes of a thing. Although you could take like thirty episodes of <laughs> Treehouse of Horror and make it into its own anthology series, I suppose. Yeah. When will the? Oh man, that's a math calculation I don't want to do. How long is an episode of Simpsons? Twenty-two minutes. Yes. 22 times there are 31 of these now? I believe, yeah. Okay, so we've only approaching 12 straight hours of Treehouse of Horror. So once we can fill an entire Halloween end-to-end with Treehouses of Horror, that's when The Simpsons should end. (laughs) If I can't physically watch these all on Halloween Day itself... It's too many. Just just end. <laughs> so what else do we want to say about the world of this particular show, Mackenzie? I feel like I've covered it all without getting into like the nitty gritty of the plot spoilers. At least what I want to say. I think that there are interesting side characters that kind of connect some of the tissue. Hmm. Um, I love Kate Mulgrew's The Cat. Um, that's just a well, that's fun... That's who that is. Okay. <laughs> it's Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> Captain Janeway. <laughs> As The Cat. Yeah. So you get a few side characters that kind of appear um, again and again throughout the shows. They get similar to like how you learn more about the train and get new perspectives from the train. You get more perspective on who they are. And it's like, if they did eight seasons of infinity trade, I'm sure at some point, perhaps the cat would have been a main character. Season seven. Yeah. Like it was the cat all along. I don't know. Is there anything else you would say? I don't know. I, I just, I enjoyed 
being constantly surprised by this show. I, I think it's, as we, we talked a little bit before, you know, there are basically four movies of Infinity Train if you're looking at time. But I think it's just so well constructed to give you enough of a break in between moments. Um, there's this talk right now, this is slightly off topic, but it's totally on topic, I feel. There's this, there's this talk right now of, should there be intermissions at plays? I think this comes up like a lot, but right now, as we go back to theater, being in live and in person, should there be intermissions in plays? And the conversation is starting from critics and other people, and it's like, okay, you think that an intermission is just a stop in the story for people to go pee. <laughs> Number one, sometimes people need that. Yes, you're right. Sometimes people need to stop and pee. But there are other times where a story needs to stop to let something marinate and, and land the right way. Because there are certain emotions that we feel at the end of things. Even just surprise, shock, um, even delight, you know, joy, where we need, much like eating sushi, the palate cleanser of ginger, you know, that's, you eat one flavor, you eat the ginger, your palate goes clear, you eat the next one so you can taste it. I, I know I'm mixing a lot of metaphors here, but you need to like, you need to have that break in between in order for the next thing to be fresh and land anew, which is sometimes why binging is not the best idea because you don't give yourself that break in between. So I think it's really well constructed to be those 10 separate pieces. So I would not, not necessarily say that you have to like stop at one, you know, 10 or 11 minute episode and then not watch the next one till the next day. Just saying, make sure that you're giving yourself that time to like sit in that realization that you've had. Um, there were a couple of moments where I just, I, I hit the menu button and sat back and was like, okay, I need to process what this actually means before I move on to the next thing. Because there are some big, or even like stop and text a friend, like a big thing <laughs> just, <laughs> that you've just had to deal with. Like, what did I just see? What did I just watch? And how am I going to react to that? Like we need that processing time because these shows are for us as an audience. Like the creators are making them for us to feel and think things. And if we don't give our times to process through through those, um, I think we're, we're gonna miss something from it, the experience. Well, I think Infinity Train and Intermissions in Plays and Sushi, I'll go back <laughs> to an idea you expressed a few episodes ago of like, 
pretentious art is art that is made without a thought for how the audience reacts to it. And I think that sometimes it's intermission because that's what happens in plays. But I think good intermissions and good seasons of TV end and good flavor breaks happen in your food meals because that is where the person who created that experience wants you to have a break and marinate in that moment and that flavor and feel that more. It's also like a great shortcut for like time has passed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, how are you feeling about this thing? Let some time pass. Um, And then like, yeah, time has passed in this next where we're picking it back up. There, There are a great many moments where it's really disorienting the start um, you know, where things begin. I would even say if you are on the end of season one or then definitely the end of season three, don't hit next <laughs> that same night to go into the next season. Like let yourself understand the ramifications, what's completed, what's done, like live in that finished moment because what happens next is fresh and clean and new and wants you to come to it fresh and clean and new and not completely unattached, but, you know, separate from what you've experienced that whole first season. Mm -hmm. So do that. And if you binged it on HBO Max, go back and marinate a little bit more. Yeah, space that. You didn't do it wrong, but you could do it better. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy it now. You've, you've, you know, you've had the meal, just like, just savor it now. And also like give them the clicks. That's okay. Watch it twice. Show HBO yes. Max if people want Infinity Train. Yes. Uh, Chris, did you have a favorite thing in the course of Infinity Train? In the course of Infinity Train, I'm not going to give too much away but it's a very, very specific moment toward the end of season three. We're following the main character of Grace at this point. And there's a moment where you see the switch of empathy for her, where everything changes for her. and She makes a decision and it's just so endearing because I think I texted you at the beginning. Like, why are we fall? Like, why are we with these characters now? I don't want to be with these characters right now. <laughs> and this was the moment where I said, "There." I think it was my, and I think it was the it was the way that it was meant to be felt. But this idea of why am I spending time with hopeless characters mm-hmm. or hopelessly lost characters? Why am I spending my time with hopelessly lost characters who don't have the capacity to change? Season three is emotionally manipulative and it wants you to feel that way going into it. Yes. And it's so good. And I I, I like to, what's nice is that it's, it doesn't feel manipulative, but it's, it is working on you. You do feel like you definitely it's like you're gonna feel this now. 
in a way, a good massage hurts. Yeah. You know, it's like we're going to push on this and it's going to release something eventually, but it's going to hurt right now. But you're going to be like, yeah, it's harder. Yeah. There. How about here? Like that. How about for you? Did you have a favorite thing for the course of this Infinity Train? I mean, I love... I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if I have a good word for it, but I love um, sometimes when a mystery just kind of doubles down on itself rather than like adding like a whole new flavor of mystery. Um, So for me a visual reveal that I liked that they did probably most or every season is of course on the character's hand save their number of like some kind of algorithm judging like how much work they have to do. And I really love every single time they did a visual reveal of someone with like a huge ass number. (laughs) (laughs) Because the first time you're like, whoa, I didn't know they could do that. And then each other time you're still also like, whoa, (laughs) It's a good shorthand for, like, the morality of that character. It's not just, like, a cool visual reveal, but it's also, like, an emotional reveal. Like, they're a worse person than I thought they were. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is always really well done, that doubling down. So cool. Yeah. Should we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework, we're going to jump off this HBO Max streaming service and we're going to jump onto another streaming service onto the Netflix train for City of Ghosts, something that I've been curious about and we haven't had a chance to look at it. So now we're going to look at it. City of Ghosts. So watch that on Netflix. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find show notes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter and let us know what you think about Infinity Train. Infinity Train fans, let's get season five. Be kind. Do it the right way. Let's ask them for it. Let's see if it can happen. Uh, follow us on WG Animated. Let me say that. WG Animated on Twitter. Yeah, got to sell our show, not just the, the Infinity Train. Right. Hashtag save Infinity Train. Infinity Train. Infinity Train. Kind of sounds like the beginning of like Mission Impossible if you do it that way. I know, I know. It was exciting. But, but like with more synth. Your voice can't do synth. Good night, everybody. Shoot.